0: Welcome to another episode of In the Name of Service, a podcast committed to sharing the untold stories of those who selflessly serve. Each episode features an interview with men and women who have been called to a variety of service-focused roles, such as the military, law enforcement, ministry, volunteering, and more. You aren't likely to know the names of the individuals you meet here but our hope is by the end of our time together, you'll not only know their stories, but possibly be inspired to write your own in some way. Humble in nature, but strong in character, these everyday men and women showcase what it is to truly be a servant. We're glad you're here. Now here's your host, Dr. Barb Thompson.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today for another inspiring episode of In the Name of Service. I'm your host, Dr. Barb Thompson. As a United States Army veteran and operational psychologist, I've spent my career working with military and law enforcement units conducting in-depth interviews with hundreds of individuals who are hoping to earn their place on high-risk, high-performing teams. In most cases, they've already put in years of grueling physical and mental work just to get a chance to serve and sacrifice more. And that type of selflessness is special, and I feel worthy of recognition. While each person's story is unique and every path to service different, Their goals are similar, to do something more, to be part of something bigger, to make a difference. These difference makers were the catalysts behind this podcast, and it's my privilege to share their stories with you. So today I get to introduce to you John Hamilton. You do have like a presidential name, but you're not the (laughs) next president so far. I met you um, at a unit that we both uh, were at in North Carolina. Uh, You're an operator there and now you're out. I'm so excited to have you on today. Get us started. I won't even go into like your career field and all of that kind of stuff. I'll let you explain that because you're going to do it better than than I can. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Absolutely, Barb. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So my name is John Hamilton. I grew up in uh, South Florida. Um, bounced back and forth with my parents basically my whole life. I was a dual sport letterman in high school. I wrestled and played football. Um, and throughout my life, I always knew I kind of wanted to get into business. I uh, didn't know what my path was going to be. And, uh, I think I call it a, after a series of unfortunate events, <laughs> I actually ended up, uh, you know, looking for the, the military, looking at different aspects of the military, Uh, My dad was a a Vietnam veteran, um, highly decorated. Um, So I I felt like I had to fill those shoes before I could go off into the world. And 13 years later, I was loving what I was doing. And now I'm a business owner. I'm out, uh, happy, healthy, two kids, beautiful wife and family.
1: What did your dad do?
2: So uh, he was, at the time, they called it a luminator operator on the Spectre gunships. Uh, I think he hung out the back of the aircraft while they were taking fire and basically told the pilots to break left or break right. Uh, wow. To avoid being hit by the, uh, yeah, by gunfire. So it was wow. uh, pretty crazy. I think he's got four Distinguished Flying Crosses, nine Air Medals. Pretty big shoes to fill.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm already learning about you, John, because I didn't know that you had like this early desire to be in business.
2: Yeah, it was it, it was just always something. You know, I always felt like it was something I would enjoy. Um, and and honestly, like I think it was best the way I I approached it um with going into the military because getting out I was able to implement so many different aspects of the military from organizational organizational structures and roles and responsibilities into my business um which I think I never would have really learned um you know being being if I had to not had that experience so Yeah it's really helped.
1: What do you think it was about your upbringing you mentioned the influence of your dad but what are what are a few experiences you think that shaped you into that type of person that could really go after something. Cause you didn't just join the military, John, like you went all the way to the tippity <laughs> top, you know what I mean? So that, that, that requires yeah. a, quite a bit of, um, work and, and character that's, that's not typically present in the average individual. So,
2: yeah, I, so it's hard for me to kind of articulate really, you know, my path because I think as a young individual, I didn't have the faith in myself to think that I would ever get to that level. My, my dad was, um, he, he fought Muay Thai. Um, you know, he did a lot of things. So I kind of had that, that rough and tough background and upbringing. Uh, and I, I always felt like, you know, I had to kind of prove something to my dad. He was a doctor, um, you know, highly decorated veteran. And so for me, it was after college, I was, I was really just bouncing around bartending, doing all these pointless jobs with, um, with no aim or direction. Uh, I did go to fire school, thought I wanted to be a firefighter, and uh, it was 2007 or 8 at the time, and there's, there's nowhere to go because there's a big hiring freeze. And uh, so I, I started looking around at different different branches in the military. I looked at uh, the Army first, I looked at the Navy, at the Coast Guard, um, and as I learned more and more, uh, I just knew I wanted to do something with helicopters and medicine uh after talking to the army recruiter my dad uh basically told me he's like I don't think that that's the place for you um I wanted to be a 68 whiskey exactly what I wanted right helicopters and medicine right um so then that that went over to uh the navy I was looking into being like a, a rescue swimmer with them and then I thought the coast guard would be good checked out them um and for for whatever reason I think I had like I think I was a debt from college or something. And, uh, it was really hard to get in 2009 and they, uh, I, I remember the recruiter for the coast guard basically told me like, you're, you're beat, like, sorry, we can't do anything with you. Cause you're $20,000 in debt, like, like 20 years old or 21 years old, whatever. Um, so I was like, oh my gosh, I, my life's ruined. What am I going to do? Um, last resort. Uh, I, I never knew what a pararescueman was, never knew what a PJ was. Uh, I just walked into the Air Force recruitment office and I saw a poster on the wall. Guy on the beach holding his fins, helicopter in the background, like, you know, everything blacked out. And I was like, that looks cool. I want to do that. And, um, yeah, off I went. And, uh, after, after a couple hours of research, after I, you know, told the recruiter that's what I wanted to do, I, I was like, man, what did I just get myself into? <laughs>
1: you just go ahead and do the so. hardest thing you have thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. could you already swim
2: yeah no clue uh yeah i mean i i grew up i was surfing i surfed my whole life growing okay. up um i was on boats fishing so the so the water was no uh
1: and you just your training pipeline what is it ab- about two years
2: yes so basically start to finish uh including basic training um you can you can get it done in about two years as long as you know you don't have any setbacks or anything like that you know i think most guys finish in about 20 26 to 28 months depending on you know how the pipeline flows but two years to earn the beret until you get to even think about being operational in the uh, in the military
1: did you ever second guess your decision
2: no um i actually didn't and I, i'm thankful for the way that everything kind of transpired because when I signed up I had about I was in the DEP, which you know I, I, there was a, a long period in the military back in that time frame 2008 2009 where there were so many people in the military that they were just purging and then there was a wait list to get in uh, so I was in the DEP, which is called the delayed entry program uh, so I had about six months if I remember correctly um, which gave me a lot of time YouTube was up and coming at the time so I'm, I'm looking up
0: pararescue
2: training rescue warriors navy seal training all this stuff uh so i i really just i sold everything i had i moved back in with my mom um i was bouncing at night bartending kind of off and on you know just to keep keep myself afloat and uh every day from basically 7 a.m to 4 p.m i just trained monday through friday wow i would go to the ymca i would swim um I would do calisthenics, I'd come home, you know, eat, protein shake, all that stuff. Then i go to the track, uh, i go run sprints or i do a long, slow distance or sprints or whatever that was. And then, um, you know, I'd finish up the day recovering, doing, you know, physical therapy type stuff, stretching. Um, and so really just built up my confidence in the pool and... I knew what I had to maintain to get there. I knew what the attrition rate was, and I just told myself that I don't have any other options. Um, that's what it was. There was one option, and failure wasn't one of them. Right,
1: so, right, I love I, it. I
2: think I think it. I think it helped. <laughs> <laughs> it helped. It gave myself no outs.
1: Um, when I met you, you were literally at at the top of your game, like the most elite, um, you know, Air Force ground unit that that we have. So, what? Mm-hmm. You're, you're out now looking back on that, that period of your life, that experience that you had in the air force. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What do you, what really stands out for you now? Kind of as you reflect on it.
2: I think the, the biggest thing that stands out for me is you, you know, you're, I hate to say indoctrinated because I guess in a sense you really are. Um, but for me, indoctrination is kind of a negative thing, but, um, You know you you just you're around high quality individuals driven individuals um and for me that just challenged me every day every day i felt like i was going to work and it it was a it was game day i had to perform i had to be on time i had to do the right things i had to i had to be there um and i you know when it comes to missing shots or you know, messing up a rope scenario, like I I couldn't do it because if not, I was going to get knocked off the board for my next rotation. And, um, that's not what I was about, you know? So I think that's what stands out the the most to me. And I I say that because coming back into the real world, um, I realized how much there is missing with accountability without, with, with competition. Um, and the only way I really feel like I ever got that or, or, you know, receiving that fulfillment. And I was back in business Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: surrounding myself with other like-minded individuals that are business owners. Um, and and it just helps me to grow and stay on top of my mind, my game, my physical fitness and all those things so that, um, I can continue to be good, be great. And now I just get to shift my focus from business or from the military to business and my family. And, Uh, get a lot of time back to my family that I I felt like they deserved for all the holidays that I missed, you know, being deployed and and all those things.
1: Yeah. What stands out um, as being most rewarding from, you know, just like, is there an experience or a life lesson you feel like has been, you know, a, a great reward from the service that you completed?
2: I think I have, uh, a little bit of what they call operator syndrome. Um, yeah. Yeah. so for me, you know, it, it, it's difficult and these conversations are always hard for me to have because they it's very difficult, I think, for somebody at that level to, to be fulfilled. Um, yep. you know, we know what we're doing. We enjoy doing what we're doing. Um, the accolades come with it, but at the end of the day, you get this piece of paper, or you know, a bronze star or whatever, whatever it is. And cool. Um, you know, everyone wants to know what was going through your mind at the moment. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I was just doing my job. Um, I mean, my job was getting shot at at the t- at the time, you know, saving a patient or whatever it was, but I don't think there's really any fulfillment in that portion of it. But the fulfillment did come after the fact with, you know, being able to shake that individual's hand, give them a hug, yes. um, you know, as they recovered and, and stuff like that. And that's really what kept me going. Um, you know, and I mean, I guess you can even see it up here. Is our motto is that others may live. And, right. um. You know, it was my goal to get those people back to their families, no matter what the circumstance was, uh, and whatever the situation was, um, you know, the guys left and right of me, that was, they were my obligation. So I had to be at the top of my game, not only as an operator, um, whether I was going into house shooting somebody, but I had to also be on top of my mental game to be prepared for that terrible situation where, uh, I'm taking care of those people and, uh, there's no other option now. So I think that's really where the fulfillment comes from, um, you know, and, and, as we talk to people outside the military, I guess for me, I, I'm kind of blind to it. And it's a blind spot for me is people like, oh, my God, you're a PJ. Oh, man, that's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was in the military. It was just a job. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know something I love. I, I'm very passionate about still. Um, I, I still get the fulfillment from giving back to people um and part of the reason i think you and i connected was really just to be able for me to have these conversations for people that are out there that are suffering trying to find that sense of fulfillment because it's tough. Right. It's really tough once you get out and you lose that level of intensity and and passion and drive because you're sitting left and right of the, the most elite in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, i can remember having other conversations with guys you get to that point very early in life, you know, where Maybe whenever it is you learn about, you know, this unit or that mission set, what you get to do there, you start working towards it, working towards it, working towards it. And it's like in your mind, this pinnacle, and then you get there. And like you said, it's like it is terrifying because (laughs) you're still not fulfilled. You're like, oh, I thought, you know, like once I made it to this, like I would be I would feel complete. Um, But what you're describing is something outside of achievement that Absolutely. Fills, you, fills you up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it trickles down, you know, it, it, whether, whether it's business or life or whatever it is, it's um, you really have to just dig deep and figure out your why, you know, and, and, and focus on that. Um, and I think a lot of things that, that have helped me now seek that fulfillment or get that fulfillment is, you know, sitting down in the mornings and having my, my moments of gratitude. And you know, what am I thankful for? What What have I accomplished? um and, and and really, you know, having some introspection of, okay, where were you this time last year versus yeah. where you are now? Yeah, um, tongue twister there, but you know, that really gives me the time to reflect, have the opportunity to be grateful f- feel fulfilled because you see how far you've come, uh, because I think us as operators, we're always so focused on what's ahead of us that we never right. look back. Right. We never know where we came from. Like going from a bartender to the most elite unit right, in the world. Like right. For me, I, I never. We're always looking. <laughs> All right, what's next? What's the next mission? What's your next objective? Uh, yep. Who am I going to help? You know, how many? Where am I going to go? Um, so. Yeah, it's it, it's really on you and how you how you frame your mind and how you take care of yourself to continue to have that fulfillment and um you know seek that inner peace that I think a lot of us struggle with.
1: Yeah. It sounds like what you're saying is like, it's a daily challenge. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What are you speaking of challenge when you, when you're reflecting back on your military career, I know you faced plenty of challenges in the business world as well, <laughs> but what do you think was your own personal greatest challenge during your time of service? The
2: biggest challenge for me, and I think I still struggle for this is I, for whatever reason, I, um, I excelled very quickly in the military, um, not just on the special operations side, but I was a team leader within my first four years of being an operational pararescueman. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't I don't think I even I, I was a staff sergeant select when I was deployed as my first team leader uh, position to Iraq, where I was I was setting up the entire um, CSAR team for the entire country for tier one operations. I guess I just had, I don't know if it was my old soul or what it was, but, um, <laughs> you know, that, that for me was, I think a huge challenge. Um, and I, I, I don't feel like I ever fully matured to be that leader that I wanted to be. Um, you know, and I, I still, I still struggle with leadership because I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I want to bring everybody up with me, but I want everybody to be on the same level and, yeah. and you can't do that. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a sense of accountability and trust and, Uh, all these things that you have to do. Um, and that that was a huge challenge for me and still is to be, you know, I feel like I am a good leader, but when, when I have people that don't fit the fold, like I, I, I don't deal with it. And, um, I, I think for me, it's still challenging to work on helping people grow and bring them up with me rather than just, all right, you don't fit the mold. Um, Right. But you're off you're off the sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, and I'm actually listening to a book right now which is kind of funny uh, by Tim Grover called relentless and uh, it it seems like that is just how people operate when they're at that level um, mm-hmm. you know he talks so Tim Grover I'm not sure if you're familiar with him but he was um, he was Michael um, Michael Jordan's life coach personal coach throughout his career Dwayne Wade Um and at that level, you just don't have you don't have any time to deal with the naysayers and the negativity and the people that don't want to rise with you. Yeah. Um, so, f- you know, for me, it's like you're like always struggling. Oh, I want to bring these people with me, but I don't have time for them. How do we how do I be a good leader? You know, right. how do I give them the opportunity um, and then know when enough's enough? You're off the team or or, you know, you fit the mold. Let's continue to help you grow.
1: Yeah. How did you, at the time, how did you deal with that being thrown into a role? Other people obviously felt you were ready for, but internally you were like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah.
2: For me, it was really just embracing the, the elite leadership that was around me. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm grateful for that, I, at the 23rd um, STS, when I was up in Hurlburt Field, I I had a lot of guys that actually came from the unit that you and I met at, Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I had that experience from these guys that were, you know, team sergeants now, master sergeants, senior master sergeants that were, you know, on the brink of retirement um, that I could really lean on and, yeah. and pull out these checklists and, and um, you know, theater guidelines and learning all the rules and regulations and laws and all the things that I had to. Um, so really leaning on them for that mentorship to help me build what I had to build. Cause when I got out there, I didn't, you know, I had a phone, I could call back to the jock and, and figure out what I could and, you know, what my resources were. But, uh, that was, that was the most pivotal thing for me is, you know, I, I grew up with Ivan Ruiz, um, you know, Air Force Cross recipient. And he's one yeah. of my best friends. Uh, yeah. and I, I'll never forget. He was also one of my in-doc instructors, which is super cool. You know, like he, he watched me as a baby come into this and then he, um, you know, a couple years later, five, six years later, him and I are on deployment together. And I was actually on the deployment with him. Uh, we were just stationed at two different bases uh, when he got his Air Force Cross. So wow. we, every night we were calling each other, you know, hey, what, what happened? How, how'd your mission go? Blah, 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 blah. And, uh, I'll never forget when he told me about that, uh, you know, before he even received the, the accolades. But so with that, yeah, I mean, I'm just grateful for the opportunities and the people I was around. Um, to, to help mentor me and build me to, to figure out what I was doing as a 23, 24 year yeah, old, you know, staff sergeant Select.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to, to kind of transition out of the military at the time that you did?
2: I mean, for, for me, uh, I was struggling with a lot of stuff in 2013. Um, I was, you know, I went out with a ODA. I was with the third special forces group for about six months, uh, augmented a seal team out there. Uh, we had a lot of, it was a very, very dynamic deployment, um, a lot of explosions, a lot of death, uh, a lot of destruction, and uh, I was struggling. I had I had three herniated discs in my back, L345 and S1. They wanted to fuse it, um, I was dealing with TBI issues, uh, and it was really weighing on me mentally and physically every day to, to be at the top of my game, um, yeah. even though I was utilizing resource that we had, whether it was from psych to dietitian, to our strength coaches, to our physical therapists, I had to lean on them every day to get me through the next, you know, the next practice. Right. Uh, And I I found myself towards the end, I I was attached to uh, one of the teams and I never forget. I was, we were actually moving (laughs) Uh, funny enough. And I hired movers because I knew that I was not in a good position to be able to carry all this furniture by myself, which I I'd never hired movers in my life at this point. Yeah. yeah. Um, After this move, I knew my my back was kind of feeling weird and I'd had constant issues, radiculopathy and numbness and tingling and and all this stuff. Um, We'd just gotten off a a big exercise where I was kneeled over, bent over in helicopters with patients and stuff like that for hours and hours and hours. And after the move, I, I was like, man, my back just isn't feeling right. Something's wrong. Um, and I was, I was on alert. I was postured to blow out. And if anything happened and I went for a run, came back to my new house, I went upstairs. We had a, a big room like set up where I would do yoga and stuff like that, just to kind of get my stretching and everything. I remember I got up off the mat from doing yoga, thinking it would help. And I stood up and I completely collapsed. Uh, I couldn't move. And I, I was basically, um, I, I was so painful to move for eight hours. I couldn't do anything. I was stuck. And at that point I called Doc Ballard Yeah, (laughs) and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm in a really bad situation and I don't know whether I should go to the hospital or what. And um, so he came over to my house, checked me out made sure that there was no immediate emergencies and um, gave me a prescription and said, Hey, rest for the next 24, 48 hours and then come see me. and so I think that was the most trying time, you know, being, yeah, going yeah. from an elite level athlete per se, working out every day, right. running, you know, running 625 miles, you know, and then all of a sudden you're, you're bedridden, um, right. and, you know? So I really started looking at myself, um, the stuff I was suffering with mentally. And I was like, honestly, I think I'm more of a liability than an asset now because the spinal doctor was telling me I needed to get fused. I had to just take that reality and, and, and sit on it and think about it. And so I went and talked to uh, our psych at the unit and she's like, John, I think it's, I think it might be time to hang it up. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was like, no, there, you know, no way. Like mm-hmm. I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, it, I cannot. So it took me about four or five months of just recovering, being at the unit. Um, I gave up my position where I was at to, uh, a guy on the team so that I could recover And finally, you know, I, I just, I bit the bullet and was like, yeah, you're right. It's time to, it's time to get out. It's time to move on to what's next in life. And, um, it sucked. I mean, it it, it was difficult, but a lot of it too, I think was the political situation, um, to be quite frank. Right. Um, just a lot of changes in the military with all the, the new stipulations that are coming out, um, cutting funds and all this stuff. And, uh, quite honestly, you know, I, I, think I could say it now, but the air force is going through an identity crisis, you yeah. know, like the, with, with special operations, like whether it's a combat controller or a pararescueman, there's a huge identity crisis of who we are, what we're going to do and where we fit into the mold. I think the just accumulation of all these factors really just, you know, said, Hey, you know what? It's time. Yeah. I got a baby on the way. I got a brand new wife, you know, we'd been together like three years at the time. Um, so I, I exited, I, you know, with went the uh, medical retirement route, got a hundred percent disability for everything.
1: And we knew, you know, obviously like my job was uh, part of assessment selection and, and we knew physically, right? Like you had already put your body now that you've transitioned out, you, you're still the same individual, you know what I mean? Like you're still that same person, extremely driven to do big things in the world but your your team situation looks a little different than it used to so what helps keep you motivated now like during those tough days
2: It's hard to say uh, for me I think that business has been definitely one of the most challenging experiences that I've ever I've ever been in yeah uh, because you know whether it's selection or assessment like you knew like all right it's either like three or four days and it's over or five right. or six days and it's over this, it's like every day is the grind and every day, you know, it's three years now um, I'm in and there's, there's days that you're just like, dude, I'm so fed up with this. I'm so fed up with whether it's the economy, the financial situation, you know, second guessing yourself, whether the business is going to sink or swim, um, you know, and, and it's tough. It's very tough. But um, again, I, I think I just have that no fail mindset you know I can't let this fail I won't let it fail we're gonna do everything in our power to get it to where I want it and um, when I get it there I'm going to start backing myself out and let the business run itself so we're getting closer and closer and it really just comes down to putting yourself around individuals that uh, are of your caliber and that can run the business with you um, so that you can work on the business not in the business it gives people the, that cutting edge of strategic growth is you have to work on the business you know it and I see guys in this industry specifically, like they're, they're in the, the grind day to day. They're on the trucks so or they're doing this, they're doing that. It's like, you got to hire and train and you got to move out to the next position to figure out what you have to do to fulfill that path. Yeah. Um, and truly being in a CEO position, because a lot of people own businesses, they call themselves a the CEO, but they're the ones. And uh, Robert Kiyosaki actually has a book on it. It's like the four quadrants, I forget exactly the name of the book, but you know, the question in business is if you die today, will your business run? If, if you don't have that, then you have a job. You don't have a business. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the mindset that you put yourself in. All right. This is no fail. And that's what it was before It's what it is now. And um, next, <laughs> just keep going. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it seems like a lot of pressure for sure. But also like you learn to take risk in your previous career. I think that's also, it seems like that's an advantage to you you because just having that experience of like keeping the faith through the process, like if you continue to just show up and keep that big picture in mind and deal mm-hmm. with the, you know, the suck as they say, then you then eventually, yeah. right. It's going to build. Yeah. Well,
2: it's like they say, like, you know, if it, you, you can't always see the destination, but if you put one foot in front of the other one day you're going to end up at, the, you know, yeah. at the end.
1: Right. So begun to share some of your personal experiences, good and bad, kind of with a broader audience online, I would say. What, what was the catalyst like internally for you to, cause that puts you in a really vulnerable position, you know, it really opens up your private life and some of the kind of the internal workings of, of John. Um, so that can be a little scary. Anyway, what, what, what led you to do that?
2: I think it was a culmination of things. Um, one, I wanted, I wanted to help others. That w- that's the biggest thing. And, and I had people reaching out to me, um, you know, that were struggling and thanking for thanking me for, you know, sharing like life's not rainbows and unicorns and balloons, you know, it's right. like, as business owners, um, we all struggle. And everyone wants to show the pictures of the fam and glam, but they don't want to show the pictures of the struggles and and what it's like to actually be in the trenches. Um, And I was willing to do that. I just thought it was a different angle. Um, I think it's something that we all could relate to because a lot of times I I really felt like I was the only one struggling because of all my buddies, all these pictures of how successful they are and, you know, the Ferraris. um, But at the end of the day, when you pick up the phone and you have these conversations, they're like, dude, I'm dealing with the same shit. Um, Yeah. And so I I thought it was a cool spin, you know, like I'm a super transparent person, probably it's too transparent sometimes. Um, (laughs) And now I've learned to kind of be more, more transparent about my feelings uh, just so I can be a better person, better husband. And, um, and yeah, so it's helped. And and I get that sense of fulfillment now because people reach out to me and they confide in me for certain things, um, whether it's guidance or just to get them through the day. That's a sense of fulfillment I was seeking and I, I right. was rewarded by, right. by offering that insight.
1: Um, what do you yeah. think in regards to you 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 said it earlier like you guys are out there, you're really putting yourself in a position to to do incredible things and very scary things, very very complex things as well um in in the face of danger. Um, yes, it is the job that you signed up for. Um even people that sign up for it don't necessarily do it well, but all of you guys where we came from, you did. Um and then you you mentioned kind of like the death and destruction and difficulties, the things that you saw in those experiences. What if you could talk to guys that are still in that position now, do you think there are some things that you would advise them like kind of where are we getting it right, where are we getting it wrong type of thing?
2: Man, there's so many different ways I could answer that question. Um from the op- operational perspective to, you know, the personal development side to um knowing when enough's enough.
1: Yeah.
2: Because we put our body through so much, you know, so much physical demand throughout their careers that I, I think a lot of guys um uh, just to get through their day end up suffering later right. on in their career. Um You know, so for me, it's like, I I think the biggest thing is you you have to always put yourself first. And, and when you go into those workouts, instead of the mindset of going to war, like you need to put your mindset of like, I'm taking care of my body so I can be the best me. Uh, Because if you can't be the, be be the best you, then who are you to anybody else? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're just deteriorating at at the, at the core um, and you're still trying to help people. Like, really, who are you? What's what's your foundation? So it's very important to take care of yourself um, physically and mentally and and being open to having those conversations and that dialect, you know, whether it's the psych or it's other operators that are willing to have the conversations um, to help ease ease your frustrations, ease your pain um, or, or your challenges, you know, and, and, and seeking that advice um, and help to keep your mind clear and be the best version of yourself that you can be.
1: It's easier said than done. I'll just say that in that population, I think it's becoming more of a thing like to just, um, to, to wear vulnerability a little bit better, knowing really what leads to growth, knowing really what Mm -hmm. leads to the best version of you at those highest levels. And I think, um, maybe a little bit downstream, you're still seeing populations where just like you said, John, you went out to prove yourself, and mm-hmm. that attitude, right, puts up walls. Versus what mm-hmm. you're talking about is really like you're you're gonna t- you're tearing down the walls. So I'll just say easier said than done. Yeah, but I totally wholeheartedly yeah. agree.
2: <laughs> I think one of the other huge things that I mean, it's preached, it's practiced, but I have a I have a strong inkling that a lot of us. With, with the, you know, endocrine system and, and um, adrenal system and everything else that, that happens throughout your career, the dysfunction that we end up having, I think it's a very common thing that we all have the anxiety and the depression. Yeah. Um, yep. And, and a lot of guys, okay, I'm 100% guilty of it too, is once you're in the team room, you know, we all rely on alcohol to kind of just let go a little bit. You know, yeah. ha- be able to have those conversations and open up and, and feel better. And, um, you know, some days you just want to go home and have a beer. I never realized until I got away from that, um, how much it exacerbated the feeling of anxiety and depression mm, that right. I was having. Yeah. Um, and so just, just being able to, you learn yourself, you know, you, you take six months off and you start drinking again, or you you have a couple drinks and you feel how depressed and how anxious you are for like three or four days afterwards. Uh, it really starts to put things into a frame for you where you could be like, okay, maybe these feelings I was having at that time were, were obviously due to, you know, the situation at hand. But what I was doing was, I was drastically exacerbating these problems. Um, by drinking, and I didn't even realize it. For me, yeah. it's like, all right, cool. I'm gonna have a couple of beers. I'm gonna sleep good tonight because I don't freaking sleep, <laughs> um, right? You know, and, and I'm gonna wake up good to go. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's huge. Um, I think that's that's one of the biggest things that has changed my life. Um, and I mean to complete be completely transparent here. Um, you know, with, with the laws changing and everything else, uh, I started taking like the THC tinctures at night to sleep and Mm. it's changed my life. Uh, you know, I've never been a pothead or like never really liked like drugs at all, really, you know? And so, um, that was kind of a weird thing for me to be like, my buddy's like, Hey, just try this, you know, prior veteran. Um, and I started trying it and it was like, I'd never slept. I, I don't feel like I slept that good and since like high school, you know, yeah. after football practice, mm-hmm. uh, just deep, deep sleep, waking up the next day, feeling absolutely amazing. Um, and, and ready to crush it and go after it. And, uh, you know, you just wake up so refreshed and clean and your mind's clear. I think that that's something to heavily consider, you know, when these guys get out or they're still in, um, is just get rid of the booze and find, find something that's obviously legal. Um, mm-hmm that, that you can turn to, to help, you know, help yourself meditation, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. And, and just, yeah, continue to have those conversations. Um, I know there's a lot of things that keep us from sleeping Mm -hmm. at night, but when I showed up to the unit, um, the, that the commander at that time, I said like, you know, I'm new here. What, what do you think is your, your, your biggest problem? And he was like, sleep. (laughs) Our guys don't sleep. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it le- leads to every other bad thing, right? Like you're talking about, like you're just trying to, uh, live and, and, and work at an elite level, but you're not sleeping. Like that's going to degrade you pretty quickly. So you, you reach out for these, um, quick solutions that in the long run maybe don't turn out so well. So it's super, um, I think important. Um, let's say someone listening to your story, um, they have like that, that urge and it may may feel like an urge to prove themselves, like to just do something, you know, like bigger and better than what they're doing right now. They feel like that call to serve. Um, but they don't know like where or how to get started. What would your advice be for them?
2: I think I see it in, in all aspects and, uh, I think they call it analysis paralysis, <laughs> and, you know, people are just hesitant. They, you know, they, they analyze things and overanalyze things. Uh, but the only way that you can, you can ever make that first step is by making a decision and making a choice. So,
1: yeah.
2: um, you know, if you're on the fence about going to an elite level or you're on the fence about starting a business or whatever it is, it's like, you just got to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's sacrifices that come with it. Like, make sure you plan it appropriately. Don't be uh, reckless, but you have to do it. Um, and now I look back at the mindset when people get into like the employee mindset and stuff. And I was there, you know, I, I how hard, it, what am I going to do? How do I do this? But surround yourself with people that are in the business that you're, you know, and, and do as learn as much as you can, but make the decision and, and put a timeline on it and how you're going to get there and, and, uh, and go after it. Don't wait for it. Because at the end of the day um, I, I knew it going up to um, North Carolina. It's like I never wanted to get out of the military with regret knowing that I could, I could have tried it and I did it. I I just had to prepare myself and um, obviously get authorization from my, my uh, leadership, but uh, I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to have that regret looking back like, oh man, I I, I wish I would have tried to go up there. I wish I would have gone to assessment. I'm glad I didn't, you know, I'm glad I didn't hesitate. I'm glad I I took the steps and I went to the level that I wanted to be at. And uh, now it's, you know, something I get to look back at and be proud of.
1: Let me ask you this. I know I said that was my last question. This really is. (laughs) Um, I'm fine. You're good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. Like, just do it. You have to take a step. You Mm -hmm. have to just, like, rip the Band-Aid off. What do you, I mean, have you always been fearless, John? Or do you think that's just, that's a barrier we all face is that fear? Like, what keeps people from stepping out into?
2: I don't think I've always been fearless. um, But I think the more you practice it mentally, uh, the easier that it becomes.
0: Yes,
1: um,
2: and, and I find that, you know, with now being in the business world, um, the more fearless I get or the more, more times I surround myself with people that, you know, the, of my caliber, the more opportunity that presents itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like getting out of the military. I was in the real estate, industry you know moved from residential to commercial um, and then from commercial I got into moving which you know now I own the, the company and um, you know so every, every path leads to something bigger and better ultimately um, and now now I'm in the middle of developing a um, learning management system for the entire moving industry which we're going to be selling uh, internationally across the world. It's just these little steps that you take that present opportunity to yourself that you never thought was going to be possible. You know, yeah, you don't I just wake it. up and say, "Oh, yes. I'm going to start the," right? I'm going to start the biggest software company in the world. No, <laughs> you know, but taking those small steps leads you to the next thing, leads you to the next thing, and next thing, you know, you're 45 years old and you're like, "Holy crap!" Just have faith, um, do the right things, plan accordingly, and and uh, and grow. And if you if you don't, I, I see the employee mindset as like a cyclical thing. Like
0: mm-hmm. you get
2: up, you do the same thing, and you're just in this cycle you know, you, you make the same money, you you do the same things, you have the same patterns every single day. And you're it's like a it's like a hamster wheel. Um, yeah. If you want to grow in, in life and in business, because uh, I mean, ultimately, I think after fulfillment, you know, the other th- thing people seek is money. Um, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be the person taking the taking the hit when um, when times aren't right. You know, it's, right. It's great sacrifice, great reward.
1: Thank you so much for Your service, all you've done. Um, I know we didn't get in. I just want to thank you for um, raising your hand and then continuing to do that for other people, you know, outside of uh, being vulnerable on this podcast, but, um, you know, taking the calls from your buddies. I think sometimes it's that stuff that's that no one ever knows about, you know, that is uh, makes the greatest impact. But Anyway, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your service.
2: Absolutely, Barb. And thank you so much. Um, if you guys ever want to get a hold of me, um, I'm on Instagram. My personal is at uh, invested in real estate. And then my company is Brooks Moving and Hauling. You guys can always reach out to me. Um, I'm available. I've been on multiple podcasts, SoCom Athlete, um, a lot of other things. So I'm out there if you want to Google it. Um, there's a lot of ways to get a hold of me. So I'm open you. to chatting That's with anybody awesome.
1: Yeah, and we'll we'll put those in the show notes too so that people can go and check out these other conversations that you've had and how
0: to get a hold of you directly.
2: Absolutely, Barb. Thank you so much. Thank I
0: appreciate you. it. Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for another incredible episode of In the Name of Service. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe. And of course feel free to share with those you feel would like to be inspired. Have a difference maker in your life that you'd like to see featured? Reach out to Dr. Barb Thompson at in the name of service at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.